Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. Hello everyone. Uh, just a quick heads up, I did some testing just for recording, but I'm trying a new location for recording right now in my apartment. And at least when I did the test, it seemed good, so we'll see how it goes this episode. Maybe I'll have to go back to the desk, maybe sit at the table, I'm not sure. But anyway, just wanted to give that fair warning. <clears throat> Sorry. Now, I've been excited to do this episode because I finally get to show how much of an idiot I've been. About a year ago, I think is when it came out, but I bought Hollow Knight, you know, about a year ago in 2017. Played it for a little bit, and then I got, like, confused at one point. I got lost because I was just being stupid, and I put it down. I didn't pick it back up. I didn't think to pick it back up until recently, just this past week or so. I actually decided to pick it up again because I was watching a Let's Play of it on YouTube, just like a first episode or two. I was like, I should, I should get back into this game again. And so I did, and I've been hooked on it so much, and I love it. Hollow Knight is definitely one of those games that deserves the praise it gets. It does a lot of things right in terms of platforming, in terms of combat, in terms of building the story. Just There's a lot of goodness that goes into that game. Now, I want to just start with a brief idea. Like, I, I'm not entirely sure what the game's about. I know there's some idea of like this place called Hollowness. It's falling apart. There's this king that got locked up. Like, I got an idea based from what I've seen and just some like, little bits of dialogue here and there of what exactly is going on in the story of the game. But I'm still not 100% on point. And I think part of that is kind of like their plan when it comes to the game. Like, the developers planned it where you know very little going in. However, with some... Not like cutscene, cutscenes, but you know, those areas of just dialogue where there's a scripted dialogue and you're kind of sitting there just reading all the stuff happening and the characters interacting. You know, before boss fights and other special situations, you start to pick up on exactly what's happening and exactly what you, the character, just called the knight, what his purpose is. All right, cool. I, I like that. It gives us something to go on and it pushes that innate curiosity that we have. Now, with that curiosity, this being a Metroidvania-style game, where it's a bunch of rooms interconnected between a bunch of different zones that are interconnected, and there are some areas where you might discover you can't get to. Like, hey, that place looks like I want to go that direction. There's a door that way to another room, but I can't reach it for whatever reason. Like, I can't jump high enough. I There's an enemy blocking it, whatever. So then you, come, you go back the way you came. You kind of go exploring a little bit more, and you find a special ability or a new attack or whatever that then unlocks that area. So, like, one of the things is called the Mantis Claw, which allows you to wall cling and wall jump. So you can cling onto a wall and hang on it while you, like, slide down slowly and then jump off it. And because you don't go flying when you jump off, you go, like, your standard distance, you can just kind of, like, constantly jump off the same wall to go upward, which allows some stupid mobility. Like, I've done it where I've gone up... There's this one area that's a pain in the ass to get to the normal way, but it has a kind of like shortcut exit where you can jump into this elevator shaft into a different location, but there's no legit way to get back up. So I, now that I have like a mix of three different abilities, a dash, a double jump, and this wall jump, I can just infinite wall jump up the side of the elevator shaft till I get to the platform, 
jump, double jump, dash over, boom, when I get into that location that I want to get to without going just that tedious platforming way up. And I like that. I like that idea that it doesn't happen too, too often in the game, but there are areas where you can use a special combination of the abilities you have now to do something stupid like that, to kind of just say, you know, I'm just going to hop and skip over that. You know, I'm going to try something unique or something different. And then there's, of course, the one or two abilities that you're given that just, they're very, very specialized. Like, there's this one called the Crystal Dash, which is pretty cool. It just, you, you hold down the button, the left trigger on the controller, and when it's fully charged, you let go, and you just, boom, you go flying forward in a straight line, essentially just a super dash. You go in this straight line until you cancel it, or you hit a wall or hit an enemy. And now, that sounds great. In one way, because it allows you just, like, you go pretty quick, and it's almost like a fast travel through a number of corridors. But the thing is, again, if you hit a wall or hit an enemy, you drop, you stop, and you just hit the ground. And what sucks is 95% of the rooms aren't straight. And the other thing is, you can only go horizontally, not vertically. So that leads another another problem of very specific rooms have to be horizontally built for the crystal dash. So it kind of sucks, like, it's a really cool ability. It's a really cool concept. It's just you use it like here, you use it there, and that's really it. Like you don't see it use it all in any special way for like boss fights or anything like that. There's there's no creativity around how it's used. It's just kind of one of those things that they tacked on to creatively lock certain areas so the player would have to come back later, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And for the most part it's used for special like additional things like getting extra charms and equipment and stuff like that it's mostly used for some of the crystal dash still though i like i just like that cuz you get a sense of progression in terms of learning about the story and you also get a sense of progression of i could not access this place before so now i can come back and actually access it and one great example like the first area you go to the forgotten crossroads it wasn't until granted i I was doing some other things while playing the game. Like, I was constantly repeating this one optional area, which I'll get to later. So it took me a bunch of hours. It took me a good, like, 10 or 11 hours to clear out the first area 100% all the way. Normally, it wouldn't take that long if I knew what I was doing. That's because once I got the Crystal Dash, I was able to go back to that first area and get through this one little section that you need the Crystal Dash to get through. So it was nice. I'm like, okay, cool. Now that I got this, I remember this location back here that I've yet to explore. Let me go back and explore and with that exploration and remembering kind of that you, there are certain areas you haven't been to yet is the map system. Every region has a map. You don't start with a map. For each individual region, you have to find this guy called Cornifer, who's making maps of the area. And when you find him, you can talk to him and he sells you a map of the area. Now, the thing is, this guy's a little bit on the old side. And he's not exactly, like, combat heavy. So what he does is he gives you where he's been or what he knows. So it's a fragmented map. Yet, it still gives you an idea of the area. And usually, what he's mapped out are, like, the focus areas, like, the the place that you have to go. Like, if it's a mandatory area, it's not optional. Like, these are the – it kind of, like, highlights the rooms that you're going to be going to to get a general idea of which direction you should go. And then with that, you can go back to his shop and from his wife buy a quill pen and parchment paper and stuff like that. And what that lets you do is now that you have this incomplete map, as you explore the areas – when you reach a rest site, you update the map automatically with the new places you explored. 
So you want to go, you want to explore the area because one, you get more lore and the story builds up. Two, bonus things you find, you know, bonus charms, which is equipment and things like that. Three, you have to do this exploration to continue forward. Like, okay, I've explored this region as much as I can. Let's go over here now and see what's in this direction. Or like, there's one area that I'm in called Fog Canyon. It was like the third area I found in the game, and I still can't really access it because I don't have the ability that lets me do that yet. So, okay, I have to, you know, I have to remember to come back here, come back here, do this, do this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then that fourth reward is just filling in that map. Like, I wouldn't say I'm a 100% completionist kind of person. There are games, though, that I want to get everything. This is one of those games where I'm really enjoying it. It's not a collectathon because a lot of times collectathons are just things are lying around, go get it. This is you're, you're getting more and more things, and there's a lot of things to collect, yet there's a reason for each one. Like, there's where you find it, it actually makes sense where it's located. Like, some of the charms you find is very fitting for the area you find it, and that it's kind of related to this area. Like, there's a shrine there. There's this very large bug that used to be there that left the charm, you know, whatever. It's fitting. So I'm trying to 100% complete this, and every time I see a new section of the map fill in, because I went back and explored the area, it feels good. I get that reward of just like, yeah, now it's not blank anymore. I actually have it. That it's not a rush, but just kind of like that tingly feeling you get of like completing something, and that's not even considering any of the fighting, any of the bosses, none of that. That's just considering this going through and getting the map completed and finding the things on the map. I get giddy, you know, I get really giddy. Sorry, ah, sorry, might be a little sick again. That'll be fun. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. let's continue this discussion of Hollow Knight and. It's a little bit of praise of Hollow Knight, I'm not going to lie, because that's just the kind of person I am. But I also want to use it as a kind of an in-depth analysis of where games that aren't necessarily focused on combat, no, this is a platforming game, can do very well in many ways. And, you know, kind of shows why Hollow Knight works. The, the other really big thing I think is important to it is the bosses. Now, there's NPCs, and of course there's like standard combat, standard enemy, stuff like that. You know, that, that's like some that's other things that I want to talk about in a little bit, but I really want to focus in on how the bosses work. Because making bosses in something like a Metroidvania game or open world, you know, whichever, can be a challenge. Because a lot of times the way these games work is backtracking. Like you find out I can't get there yet, so let me go elsewhere and then come back to it. Now, a lot of the Metroid Prime games had it where defeating a main boss give you gave you like the item or the weapon or whatever to then access the next area. So for the most part, the bosses were linear. The exploration of getting to them was something different, but there was still that linearity getting there. With Hollow Knight, though, there are some bosses that you need to fight to get the special shiny for the next area. That there's That's definitely there. However, there are a number of optional bosses, and on top of that, the order of the bosses can get a little out of whack. I I think, all right, I cannot say for certain because I have yet to beat the game, but I, I'm, I feel like I can comfortably say besides the final boss, the only linearity there is, I think, is the first and second boss are the same for everybody. You know, the first boss you fight, follow, and then the second boss you fight will be the same for pretty much everyone because of the items they give you to unlock the next area. Beyond that, 
there are some mandatory bosses and then this boss has to die so you can get the next shiny so you can continue exploring. Yet the order at which you take them on is up to you. And with that, it can be risky in terms of developing a game because a player could reach a boss that has a particularly special item that you need to really advance the game. However, because the player was too busy, like me, exploring to the fullest extent the areas that they've located so far, they get additional items and things like that. Now, Hollow Knight, you don't level up. You just get charms, which are equipable items that give you extra modifications to, you know, like, additions to your attacks, like increased range or no knockback, whatever. And then some utility stuff, like casting spells is more powerful and stuff like that. You know, like minor, not minor, but you know what I mean? Like those little things that give you an idea of a build for your character. But beyond that, there's really nothing else. And then, of course, there are a few other additional things, like you can learn a few new moves. Now, with these bosses, because there is no particular order you take them on, you could fight a boss that has a really important item that you need early on the game. Like for me, I got the Mantis Claw, which is that wall jump. And the next thing I really needed for to pretty much get anywhere was a thing called the Monarch Wings. And I had no idea where the fuck to find the Monarch Wings. It took me forever to locate them. So while I was trying to search for them, I decided to go through with a fine-tooth comb and just dig through every area in the game I've located so far. And it turns out just the area the Monarch Wings were in... I kind of hit a blast because I kept forgetting that there was this other area I was supposed to go to called Crystal Peak. And when I got through Crystal Peak, I was going to get the item I needed to then get through and get the Mantis Wings. I was being a little stupid there. Yet with that, I wasn't really upset because there was so many other cool things I could find. And I found the Coliseum of Fools, which tied up a lot of time. So doing that, I got a lot of charms, a lot of really good charms. And I was able to get some pretty powerful builds and have access to a majority of the moves you can learn throughout the game. So when I finally got to the Monarch Wings and I was fighting the boss that was guarding it, he wasn't that hard. I had a lot of experience in the game. I fought a lot of bosses before him. I fought a lot of trash enemies before him. And just the charms I had available. He wasn't a cakewalk, mind you. Like I still had to think. And that's what I like, that every boss demands that you think and demands your attention to some level, no matter where you when you fight them. But it was nice that... He wasn't overly hard, but he didn't feel overly easy for when I encountered him. I honestly feel like if I encountered him earlier in the game, like I probably was supposed to, like what they anticipated when I was supposed to fight him, and I wouldn't have as many charms, I could still see myself taking him out on the first try. I could still see myself taking him down with relative ease of being able to pick up his moveset and counter it well enough. There are... Honestly, in terms of, like, the main bosses, there's only, like, one or two up to this point that gave me some hesitation in taking down. And when I say hesitation, it meant I took two or three tries maybe to take him down. It's pattern recognition. No, it's a 2D platformer, so you can't be super creative with the boss moveset because it has to be on the X and Y axis. You can't have any interaction with a 3D environment, a, you know, omnidirectional... ZX, all, all, all that stuff you get when you do 3D, there's simply just two directions and attack and go. That's it. You pick up the pattern, and then from there, the boss isn't too bad. 
which is why I like there's a lot of optional content within the game in what they call like these dream sequences, I think. You have this thing called the dream now you get at some point. And there are certain bosses and certain areas that you can use the dream nail in that gives you access to an optional unique side boss. Now let's use the example of the guy I fought to get to the Monarch Wings. I can't remember his exact name. It was something Kin. I can't exactly remember what it was. But he was one of the ones that you could use the Dream Nail on to access a special area, like a special fight. When I got to that special area and I decided to challenge him, when I took him on the normal way, I beat on the first try, his Dream version, oh my god, it was absurd trying to take him down. The, the difficulty spike in the dream sections is intense. Like I've only fought, I want to say, three dream versions of the bosses so far, because not every single boss has a version of that. And there are, like, spirit bosses you can take on that stay in, like, the main area of Hollow Nest, but they're very minor, I'd say, compared to the dream bosses that you can take on. It took me a good, like, 10 or something tries to take this guy on in his dream version. And it's not even like much happens. All they do is maybe speed the guy up a little bit and modify their moves. Like, their moveset stays relatively the same. They just add in a, one or two little things. That's really it for the dream version. But it's, an, it's insane how much that amps up the difficulty. And since it's optional, like, I didn't have to, as far as I know... You don't have to take on the dream bosses. Like, you get essence whenever you do that kind of stuff, and then you bring the essence to the shaman lady, and she gives you trinkets and other little bonuses. So I don't believe for a normal completion run, you don't have to do the dream bosses. For 100% completion, I'm assuming you do, because, you know, obviously you're getting things from them, and you exchange that for more rewards. So for 100% completion, you obviously have to take on the dream bosses. So I like that. I, I like that the game respects the player enough that if the player just wants to go through and beat the game, with like an any percent run, nothing too flashy. It's manageable enough as a game. If you go for that 100% completion, you want to get everything and you want to fight all the bosses, the game steps up. It throws things at you and says, well, you want the shiny, fuck off, work for it. All right. And the most brilliantly created one, I think, so far that I've seen is... The achievement called Fool. I think it's what the achievement is called. It's called Fool. Before I mentioned a place called the Coliseum of Fools. I have spent a lot of time there on my playthrough. And I will tell you why. It gives you three challenges. It gives you three trials. Trial of Warrior, Champion, and Fool. Each trial essentially is a gauntlet. You put the money in to unlock the trial. Then beyond that, you can try the trial as many times as you want. It doesn't take any money. And there's a rest spot, which is a bench. You rest on benches. Right below the arena, so you can rest at the bench, modify your charms that you're wearing, so you'll only do that at a bench, and then head up and take on the trial. And if you die on the trial, you respawn at the bench below the pit, you kill your ghost because they do this whole thing with your shade, that you your shade holds all your money in spirit, you kill the shade, you get all your money back, it's actually kind of a cool concept. That's all right below the arena, you can go back up and fight it again. So it's really easy to keep going if you fail at the trials, which I like. The first two trials I got through relatively easy. I beat both of them on my first try. There were new enemies. Like the, the, the Coliseum has 99, 95% of the enemies you fight there are unique to just the Coliseum. 
All right, the third trial has, I don't know, maybe two enemies you can find out and about normally, and the second trial has a mini-boss in it also that you've encountered elsewhere. That's really it. Like, for the most part, it's a pretty unique setting, the enemies. So I got to the first two trials, and at the end of the first two trials, you get a new pin, which is really cool, and then you get Pale Ore, which you use to upgrade your weapon. All right, cool. The third trial, like, each trial tells you what you get. So the third trial opens with saying... Fight for Geo and the glory of being a fool. That's what it tells you is the reward. I spent hours on end in this place trying to beat it. I was trying to get through it before I had the Crystal Dash and before I had the Monarch Wings. I finally got the Monarch Wings and I'm like, okay, now with the Monarch Wings, I should be able to do it. Because there is a... It happens twice in the final trial, the trial of Fool... Where the floor essentially turns into lava. Giant iron spikes shoot out of the ground and you just can't touch the ground. The first time it happens, there is a straight ladder-like thing of platforms where you can jump up to the next platform. As you can say, in the middle. And what's nice is as long as you're on a platform, you can heal yourself. Because you can consume soul, which is like spell power or something like that. You can consume some of that to heal after a short charge-up period. So it's nice, you can heal in that area. As much as you can't touch the floor, you still have some platforms to kind of stand on to heal up, even though it, very, it limits your mobility greatly. But the second time it happens, spikes shoot up from the ground, and there's no platforms. You have to walk, you have to use the Mantis Claw and wall jump. And the thing is, because you're not standing on a platform, you can't heal. So I figured once I get the Monarch Wings, I should have to manage. I can then double jump, giving me a little bit more maneuverability in the air. In addition to the dash, I should be able to handle this quite easily. Still took me hours to get through. And at the very end of the trial, like once I got to the second section where spikes shot up from the ground and you had to deal with nothing but flying enemies, which I'm not good at aerial combat to begin with. So it's really hard trying to coordinate the fact that if you touch the ground, you're going to get hurt and lose health. That plus you ha- you're always moving. Like when you wall cling, you fall while wall clinging. So you have to jump eventually, and while doing that, flying enemies are highly maneuverable. So you have to deal with these highly maneuverable enemies where you have very limited maneuverability, and also you lose access to some abilities. Like, there are abilities you can use that require a charge-up period if you're standing on the ground. There's a spell you can use that's a really good, like, downward slam attack, but you have to hit the ground to actually slam. You can't use that. Since it cuts all these things off, it's such a hard part. But the game rewards you for getting through it in terms of the trial. Once you get through that second round of the floor is lava, it opens up the ground again so you can actually stand on the ground. And then the next waves of enemies are essentially low tier. Like a lot of guys you fight in the first trial. You know, there's a, a three or three amount of time or about two or three amount of time. But compared to what you just went through, it's really easy. And it allows you kind of a breath of fresh air. You're able to sit there and kind of like, You get to breathe a little bit. Like, you can heal. That enemy takes a while to get over here, so I'm going to stand on the side and heal up. Also, I just realized I lied. There are three times spikes come out of the ground. You can't touch the ground. That happens three times in the final trial. The second time I forgot because I never had much of a challenge with it. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. So you get this almost reward of breathing. Okay? You got through that final time of the floor is lava. I'm having to wall jump a lot. Breathe for a minute. Because right when you're done breathing and you take care of this last wave of pretty much easy enemies, we're going to throw a boss at you. 
Yeah, they just throw a boss at you, a unique boss, only to the Coliseum. And if you die while fighting that boss, you got to restart the whole trial over. Thank God. The boss, again, like the rest of the bosses in the game thus far, is not too hard. All right? You're going to get hit once or twice. If it's your first time finding the boss, you're obviously going to get hit. However, it's a pretty limited moveset for God Tamer. The name is God Tamer. is the name of the boss for Coliseum of Fools. Relatively low, like small moveset. You get hit once or twice, maybe three times. You learn, okay, that's how the boss fights. Now, it's a, it's a duo. It's a duo boss. So there's two of them. There's two different entities you're fighting, each with a unique moveset. The one has, like, I jump and slash at you, so not too hard. And the other one's a very big beastie that rolls across the ground and can shoot out this infection kind of thing, like goo, that lingers on the ground when it lands. So you have to be a little considerate of that crowd control the big beastie has, with how much mobility it has, and able to spew out damage onto the floor while dealing with this pretty nimble enemy. But again, you learn the moveset quickly. You learn to just breathe them and take like take a pause and just breathe while fighting them and use your superior mobility against them. You can still walk on the side of the Coliseum walls. So you can walk and jump over the big BC if you need to and things like that. Like, you have that access, all right? And now at the very end, you defeat this boss. You get through the trial of the fool. One of, in my opinion, one of the hardest things in the game. And you know what you get? You get a shit ton of money, which feels amazing. Granted, I got like 3,000 Geo is, the name, is what the currency is called. I don't need all that Geo. Like, I pretty much bought everything I need up at this point. I don't need that much money. So I'm sitting on a shit ton of cash that I don't need. And that's all it gives you. You, you get the title of the fool. You went through... This whole challenge, these three trials, the third trial being god-awfully hard, and what do you have to show for it? You're just a fool. You just fought a shit ton of people just because. You just got money. Way to go, man. Like, it's such a clever way to reward the player. Like, you get the achievement for it, so obviously if you're an achievement hunter, you're going to get it. It's just like, it's like a kick, it's like a kick to the player. Like, okay, cool, congratulations, you idiot. You did it. So what? <laughs> I, lo- I, I, I it's not insulting like I don't feel insulted over that I actually love how they did that like I feel good for beating it yes I just feel foolish at the same time like I did that solely to get the achievement I, I went through all that turmoil just for that achievement I don't even need the geo my god it's it's smart it, it's very well played by team cherry the guys the people that made the game it's a smart play on their part oh man sorry stuffy nose now, the rest of the game, all, like, the main stuff, things like that, the characters you meet, it gives this, it gives a nice, even pace. Like, there are some areas that have a lot of bosses. There are some areas that have no bosses or one boss. Every area has unique enemies. Like, everything's distinct. However, the way you get from one place to another seems very natural. All right? The capital. The City of Tears at the center of Hollow Nest. The main way to get there is by taking elevators to it. It feels like an actual city. The main entrance that you get to requires you going through this crazy bit of platforming to open up a essentially a drawbridge to open the gates to the, the city. And you have to place a crest at a statue guarding the gate. And that opens up the main gate for you to go in and then the gate closes behind you. 
from then on out, the only way to get in and out of the city is by getting to these elevator shafts. Now, there are fashionable points. There are these stations you can use, like a tram system kind of thing. They call it the Stagways because you ride this giant stag beetle, which if you haven't caught on yet, yes, Hollow Knights, it's all bugs. So there are two stag stations you can unlock, and then everything else is just elevator. So it feels like an actual city. Like The only way in and out of this place is through a man-made, or insect-made in this case, mechanism to and from the city. It feels good. Like I said, I, I like how they did that. There's an area called Deep Nest. God damn, I hate it down there if you don't like bugs. I mean, if you don't like bug, bugs, don't worry. Hollow Knight, it's all hand-drawn, and it's kind of cute. Like, they're like, oh, it's like, even as enemies, kind of like, oh, that's kind of like a really cute, adorable design. Like, there are enemies that just put a bunch of moss on top of themselves. Like, they look these just these bushes. They're adorable. Deep Nest is the complete opposite. Like, if you don't like spiders, if you don't like bugs, you're going to hate Deep Nest. It's just... Creepy crawlers everywhere. There's shadows of bugs in the foreground crawling across the screen. It's it's just a nasty place. Getting there requires you to just jump down holes. Like there, there's like one kind of like natural entrance where you just kind of walk in, but it requires you going deep into the kingdom below the city has an entrance into deepness that you just walk into. All the others require you jumping down pits. Like it's very fitting for that kind of place. And it's off to the side. It doesn't connect anywhere else. Like, you get into deepness, and it's not like deepness then connects somewhere else. Like, the Forgotten Crossroads connects to the Crystal Peak, connects to Green Path. It has an entrance to the City of Tears and the Resting Grounds, things like that. No, deepness is just, you go into deepness, you get the fuck out of deepness. I hate it there. It, that, that's the thing, is it works. As much as each location is very unique and stands out, there's a very natural connection between them that doesn't really feel forced like green path is kind of the only exception green path which has a beautiful scenery a lot of floral stuff like that it kind of seems there compared to some of the other places and then things also like kingdom's edge just kind of seems there past you know the city of tears i'm not entirely sure i i still like how they go and those areas like kingdom's end or kingdom's edge Deepness, like you go there for one thing, like the Coliseum of Fools, or there's in Deepness, there's a village you have to go to uh, to get to the end boss. You go there once, that's really all you need to. Like, you, you don't have to constantly go back there. So it's nice that those locations do their job. Like there's one little thing here, get it, get out. You know, the, it doesn't tease you with anything else. Like they've gotten Crossroads, Green Path, the City of Tears. Like there's a lot of things that go on in those locations that are very relevant to the story. And since they're centralized locations that connect to a lot of other places, they give enough there that you're always going to want to go back anyway. It's not that I have to go back through Green Path to get to the Fog Canyon. It's, wait, now that I have this thing, I can go to Green Path, grab, nab that shiny, and then head to the Fog Canyon since I'm going that way anyway. There's no like, oh, wait, let me go back to Deepness real quick now that I have this item. It's like, no, I already did Deepness. I'm done there. You, know, you don't have to go there once or twice. You don't have to go to Kingdom's Edge once or twice because there's not a lot there. It's it's great. It's great. Now, I'm trying to think what else really I'm missing that I want to talk about in terms of this enjoyment of Hollow Knight. You know, I talked a little bit about the bosses, and I could go into depth of all different bosses. Like, the third boss I fight, fought was the Mantis Lords. I love them. You know, every boss is unique. Even the optional ones, they stand out. All right, it's not like or reskin or anything like that. It's like, no, this this boss has a purpose. There's a reason why this boss is here. It makes sense. You know? The world, the way it's connected. And like the NPCs that fill it, 
are nice. Like, and I, I don't mean nice and just they have a nice personality. Like, there's this one guy, and he's played at Zote, the Mighty, he calls himself, is a fucking prick. But as nice as, like, these characters actually seem that like they kind of do something. And in a way, have some impact on what you do. You know, I've played Metroid Prime before. I played Metroid Other M, which the story and the voice acting, I thought, I agree, was not great. I thought it was pretty bad. Though the setup of the game, I really enjoyed. I did enjoy kind of like the exploration of the ship there. That's really all Other M had going for it. But, like the, you know, a lot of these these games, these Metroidvania games, these... I, I will use the term Dark Soul-like games because it's a good way of explaining it, of it's just a player versus the world kind of setup with a few friendly faces here and there. You know, a lot of times those games where there are NPCs, you see them like once, and that seems to be kind of like it, and then they just go and hang back at the home base, which I know Dark Souls 1 did a lot of. I know Dark Souls 3 kind of like changed that, and there were characters that you ran into here and there. And that's what Hollow Knight does with a lot of their NPCs. Each NPC has a really important story that matters. You know, there's this one guy who's a vendor. He sells your shit for a high price, which, since there's really no one else to buy things from, or at least the things that he sells, you're kind of forced to run along with it. It turns out, as the story goes through, there are these three nail masters. Well, two nail masters, and the, the third guy's a paint master. He picked up painting instead of fighting. Whatever. Those three guys, you talk to them, they give you a unique ability, which is awesome. Once you, and I discovered this recently, once you get those three moves, the three special moves from the three of them, and you head back to the shopkeep in the main town, Dirtmouth, he's not there. You find there's the cellar doors open. If you go down there, you see him kneeling before a giant shrine, a giant nail shrine, which the nail is like the primary weapon of most of the insects. Turns out this dickbag shopkeep, who's greedy as all hell, was the original nail master that taught the other three that just taught you something. So like the three guys you spoke to to learn these very unique moves, turns out they were pupils of the shopkeep. And when he talks to the shopkeep, he has a completely different tone. He's like, oh, I see you met my pupils and I see that you've learned much from them. You know, being that I am a great nail master, I am going to pass on this trinket to you and you will be the last, you know, you will be the last great master. So take it with honor. Like, that kind of thing. It feels so good. Like, it, once you're done with that, he goes back to being a dickbag in the shop and just being like, hey, I want your money. Go away. Kind of thing. But just that one moment of vulnerability that he had, and you learn about, you learn more about him, I kind of love that. It was so great to find out who this guy is really was because I explored the map to the extent I needed to. I found all these other great masters and then I found out that this guy Sly he he's actually kind of a noble guy. He's gotten greedy in old age and with nothing else to do he just sells stuff. But still, there's there's something there. And that's things so that the NPCs that travel throughout Hollowness throughout this enemy infested world that you are you bump into them a couple times. They're, they're hanging out with you at the bench, resting, talking to you. They help you. I haven't reached this point, but I know what happens. They actually help you in some of the boss fights. They show up to fight by your side. Because like, hey, you're, you're a warrior down here, and so am I. Let's take on this challenge together. I really enjoy that. 
It, it feels like they are doing a journey at the same time you are. And every time you find them, you learn a little bit more about them. They tell you more about their journey, their feelings of hollowness and everything that's happening. And when I find them, I feel joy. I'm like, oh my God, you're still here. Great. I haven't seen you in a while. Like, I'm so excited to see them because it's been so long. And since each of them are very unique, they have all completely unique characteristics and dialogue and emotions and feelings that it feels good. Like the one guy, Squall, you bump into him a lot at these peace homes, like these rest sites and stuff like that. He's more of an explorer. Like he talks about running into some troubles, but he's like, you know what? This is a great place to rest. Join me. How about we hang out a little bit and just relax? And this other one, Cloth, she's this, she's this big hunky girl. She has a giant hammer on her. You usually run into her where there's a bunch of enemies. Like you find this little hole in the wall to hide and take a quick breather from all the chaos, and she's just there. She's like, oh, hey, I thought I was a goner back there. I'm glad to see you survive too. Like, what the hell's going on up there? This is a lot. Like, you know, she seems to be, and she mentions how everyone thinks that she's really powerful and great and strong, but in the end, she's not. She's a little free, and she's kind of a coward. Like, it's nothing against her. Like, she carries this air of being big and strong because that's what she looks like, but in truth, like, she do- she isn't. She does. She doesn't like it. She's a fighter, yes, but she's not as strong as people think she is, and she doesn't like that. So eventually, I ran to her a third time, and she's like, "Yeah, I didn't find a lot here, but I'm happy. Like I'm happy that I almost didn't die back there. Like I made it here safely, and I'm glad you did too. It feels good. It, it feels real good. That I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna pause here. I think I'm gonna stop here talking about Hollow Knight. Like. A lot has gone into it. Like, you can tell a lot has gone into this game. And considering the three bulk DLCs that they came up with were all free and essentially just, like, patches and updates to the game, you get your money's worth. It's, like, I think it's 20 bucks on Steam or something like that, and it's currently on sale until, you know, February 11th. So, I mean, if you're listening to this when I release it on the 10th and you're interested, hell, go pick it up, definitely. Uh, if you haven't already, and, yeah, I know I've spo- spoiled a few things. I apologize. And, yeah, regardless. I'm going to call for now for this rant on Hollow Knight. I'm going to go back and play it a little bit more before I have to get ready for work. It's, it's just it, – it's just a, it, it's well-made. And the best part is everything I talked about, I didn't even get a chance to talk about the platforming. It, it's essentially a platformer. That's really what it is. It's a platformer game, but I didn't have a chance to talk about that because everything else works. Like, the platforming just works. I didn't have to bring up platforming because it just works. The platforming element works in the game. There was no reason for me to bring it up, you know, good or bad. It just works. And everything else around it is built so well. All right, I'm going to call it for now. Uh, I already know what I want to do next week. Give you a little tease. I've been thinking about it recently. Music's important in games. All right, I'm not just talking about picking the right tune. I'm talking about creating, like tailor-making music for certain moments and certain encounters with enemies and NPCs. So that'll be on deck for next week, which I might release the video early because I'm going to be busy all weekend at a friend's place playing D&D and Rage of the Shadow Deep. So we'll see. I'll yeah, I'll probably just schedule it to be released normally because I can do that with the uh, the platforms I'm using. But we'll see. Anyway, there'll be a new episode next week. And for now, take care. Enjoy. You know, March is we're in February. March is coming around the corner. One day we'll have some warm air. All right. Bye bye.